In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Except to Agesima Sunday marks a significant change in season and focus. From Advent through the final Sunday after Epiphany, we focus on the Incarnation and the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. Beginning today, our focus shifts. We begin to look forward to the cross and the resurrection. Septuagesima means literally 70th day, and it begins the countdown to Easter. Today is actually the 64th day before Easter. It is likely that at some point in history, the observance of the 70th day and all that went with it was transferred to the nearest Sunday. Septuagesima is one of three pre-Lenten Sundays. Next Sunday is Sexagesima, which means 60th day, although it is actually 57 days before Easter. And finally, by Quinquagesima, or the 50th day, we are accurate. We are 50 days before the celebration of Easter. The two-and-a-half-week season of pre-Lent is a time to get ready for Lent. It has a kind of dual paradoxical focus. It's a time to uh, begin to think about and plan for one's participation in the Lenten fast, but it is also a time for the last celebration. It is Carnival and Mardi Gras. We enjoy for the last time the good things that we will give up for the fast. The lessons are a complementary meditation on labor and grace. In the epistle, St. Paul talks about the discipline practiced by athletes who strive to win a race or a contest. In the athletic contests that St. Paul had in mind in first century Corinth, the victors were given a wreath of foliage made of vines, and this crown would decay within a very short period of time. Since we are striving to win the crown of everlasting life that will never decay, St. Paul suggests that the battle we fight against our spiritual enemies and the race we run is worthy of even greater effort and discipline. The gospel today talks about labor, but it is really about grace. The various workers in the parable work for differing amounts of time, but all receive the same pay. This is not a story that instructs us on how to pay our workers. It wouldn't work very well. The story illustrates that the dynamics of salvation do not fit into a story about labor. We are saved by grace. All who put their faith in Jesus Christ will receive the gift of salvation no matter how long they labor in God's field. Placed together on Septuagesima, these lessons highlight the tension between grace and labor. The gospel suggests that it's never too late to repent 
and be saved. Grace is free and always available. The epistle suggests that it is never too late for those who are already in the kingdom to fall short of the ultimate reward through a lack of discipline. These two truths are sometimes presented as though they are irreconcilable, as though to say that we must expend effort in the Christian life is to suggest that we are somehow working our way into the kingdom. After all, the salvation is a free gift. Why do we need to eat less and abstain from things we like? Why do we need to create space for prayer? Why do we need to practice generosity? Why do we need to do good works? We can understand why, by analogy to human parenting, in healthy families, parents love their children unconditionally, not because they have achieved something. The status of the child in the family is grace. It is the gift of birth. Why then should the child study, exercise, or do chores? The answer is that all these things will aid the child's development and make the child a better person. Parents will still love irresponsible children who drop out of school and don't take care or develop their minds and bodies. But those parents will be heartbroken and those children will not become productive functioning adults. To be saved by faith in Jesus Christ is to be transferred into a new realm or new mode of existence. And this transfer takes place through baptism and faith. It is something given to us by the grace of new birth as a gift. There is nothing we can do to achieve this new mode of existence. We cannot climb up into heaven or earn access into the kingdom. However, once we have been saved by grace, once we have been brought into the kingdom, living faithfully in that new realm requires effort of us. That effort does not save us. That effort makes God's grace more effective and fruitful in our lives. The spiritual growth we experience in Christ operates according to natural principles that correspond to physical growth. Better habits of spiritual diet and exercise will lead to better spiritual health and more significant spiritual growth. In the same way that healthy mental and physical habits aid the growth and development of the mind and body. Neglect of the means of spiritual development will result in a prolonged spiritual infancy and childhood. 
and a lack of fruitfulness in the Christian life. In all areas of life, lack of disciplined preparedness leads to a lack of success. In sports, when a player has not worked on his fundamental skills, he is not able, in the middle of the contest, to do the thing that is required of him. A musician or singer who does not rehearse will end up hitting discordant notes during the performance. When we focus only on salvation by grace and neglect the need to grow in spiritual strength and proficiency through the practice of spiritual disciplines, we create Christians who are not able to deal effectively with the temptations they face in the daily spiritual battle. We must learn to see the Christian life as a contest that requires preparation and discipline. And we must realize that the practice of that discipline is the sum and substance of the Christian life, what we call the life of prayer. The various seasons of the church year are a gift to us. They remind us periodically of the various aspects of the Christian life we tend to neglect or forget with the drift of time. Septuagesima is a trumpet call that alerts us to begin to think about girding up for the Lenten battle so to be ready for Easter. This is a season of spiritual opportunity for those who have ears to hear. We can pose three questions to establish a framework for pre-Lenten reflection. First, what is your most besetting sin? The deadly sins are pride, envy, covetousness, anger, lust, gluttony, and sloth or laziness. Which of these most hinders you in the spiritual battle? This will be the focus of your Lenten confession. Second, the virtues that stand opposite of these sins are humility, contentment and thanksgiving, generosity, charity, chastity, self-control, and diligence. Which of these do you need to develop in order to be more effective in the spiritual battle? This will be the focus of your Lenten prayer for growth. Third, what new disciplines do you need to practice to help you conquer the besetting sin and grow in the corresponding virtue? This will be the focus of your practice of Lent. 
the next two and a half weeks are a time to pray and think about these things. They are a time to ask God to show us what we need to work on, what we need to leave behind, what we need to strive to attain, and what we need to do in order to make progress. It is hard to be faithful in the Christian life, but the principle of success is simple. Like every other thing in life, if we want to be better at it, we must work at developing the skills that will help us to be successful. As St. Paul writes, quote, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run not with uncertainty. I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.